everyone, and welcome to Radiant Radio Issue 15. I'm Ryan Sidoti, and this is a show where I get to chat with the team behind the hit image comic, Radiant Black, including writer and creator Kyle Higgins. Hey, how's it going, guys? And editor and designer Michael Basudo. Howdy. Howdy. How are you guys doing? <laughs> I'm good now that there's a howdy in the introduction. <laughs> is that our first howdy? I don't. You I say might, howdy a lot. I don't. You might have, I catch myself doing a prior too. howdy. Yeah. 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 Well, if uh, if you, anyone's listening to this as uh, as they're being released, you might have caught the fact that we're a little behind on this one. I think issue 18 is going to be the one going live shortly after this episode comes out, uh, if all goes to plan. And we're going to be talking about issue 15. And, uh, you know, why is that, Kyle? Well, uh, it's been a big summer. We've we've been on the road quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we will have to talk about if issue 18 comes out. The 18 episode comes out in between 15, 16, and 17. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, we had a bit, we've had a big summer. Uh, we have uh, been on the road. Michael actually flew to America and I we did. did, we did six weeks on the road together. Uh, yeah, more Michael, or less. you said it, uh, you said it in the like Discord recently. Like an old traveling uh, comedy uh Five cities troop. in six weeks? Yeah, How my many, body yeah. is still That's not insane. recovered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we um we we hit up San Diego Comic Con, did our first massive verse panel, which was a uh, I would I would say a, a, a roaring success. Uh, actually, it was a trembling success with <laughs> The Rock uh, screening oh, yeah. a movie in Hall H, literally below us, <laughs> and it would rumble the room at certain points. So. Uh, yeah, San Diego, we debuted the, the Radiant Black Helmet that mm-hmm. is now available uh, by way of Star Child Props. Yep. Um, had a cool, big, massive verse signing, Michael. Um, we lost an Eisner. Um, we did lose an Eisner. You, you were nominated for an Eisner. Met uh, met plenty of, uh, of awesome people, fans, and, and some even some business kind of connections and uh, from there, moved on to uh, a host of <laughs> a host of more conventions, uh, including C2E2 and our big uh, Radiant Black Times Lock or X Lockport party, uh, a pre C2E2 uh, drinks meetup and narrative event, which Ryan uh, you came out for, mm-hmm. as well as Bill and TJ and the the Circle Guy News crew. That's right. That event was. Incredible, man. We actually, on, on our podcast, The Invincible Podcast, we actually did a whole episode where we were talking about the convention season and what we've been up to lately. And just that whole experience was way more than we expected. And it was an absolute blast. What, what did you get to meet together. the mayor, Ryan? I got to meet the mayor. Yes. <laughs> I saw the mayor come in. I was at the table at the time. And all of a sudden, he just gets like chaperoned in. And uh, it's like, oh, yeah, this is the mayor of Lockport. And he's like shaking hands and everybody. And it's just like, all right. And then he's out. He's out. He was in and out in like two minutes. It was crazy. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting. Not what not what I uh, expected, um, but definitely pretty pretty cool. But that whole event, I mean, uh, really really great experience. And and uh, between all the other creators that were able to be there, I mean, I know Eduardo had an absolute blast going around just taking pictures of the actual Lockport. You know, and I know Michael, you were talking a bit about that too, and how it's just like some weird twisted Disneyland type thing where it's. It's this place that kind of existed, but you knew existed, but you had thought and put so much time and energy into, and now you were actually in it. You know, it's 
It's something. It was real weird. Pretty, uh, unique. It was real weird. I was also very <laughs> tired the whole time. Yeah. That did not help. It's just a fever dream. We took dream. the train to Chicago, and uh, that was an experience. I, I truly, we did not have time on this podcast to go yeah. into how big a disaster that was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, after that, Chicago. Uh, C2E2. C2E2. Mm-hmm. Yep, we did another, another big uh, Massiverse panel there mm-hmm. and debuted a, a cool uh, print, uh, an exclusive color variation. Um, yeah, geez, we, Emerald City, Power Morphicon. I mean, we were kind of all over the place and then, you know, certainly quite a bit of time in LA. So, yeah, yeah we've been... Uh, and, and while all that's going on, also still making the books and getting them uh, to the printer and yep. building all the other stuff behind the scenes that uh, people don't know about yet. That's right. So. And we'll talk more about that kind of stuff before those issues that were being created on the road around conventions at the time of that. Um, yes. When we get to those issues. But right now we're taking a look back at issue 15. And so for anyone that's you know catching up here, uh, we're going to keep it spoiler free. Yeah, issues 16, 17, and maybe 18 are out by the time this is out. Um, but we're not going to spoil those just in case you're reading along and uh, listening to these as you read. So uh, besides, we've got plenty to talk about with issue 15. I mean, all that we just talked about with convention season and all the cool stuff going on. And that was before this bombshell that you guys dropped with issue 15. And Kyle, you guys doing something that is kind of unheard of um and i hope you're prepared to talk about this again because this was this was a lot this was a lot so like i don't know maybe uh, i want to say like six to nine months before this issue came out kyle was like so here's what issue 15 is going to be it's going to be is going to be like one of those youtube channels that does fan films about fights they're gonna they're gonna do a radiant black film and we're going to actually make the film. And I said, no, we're not. That's insane. Well, and then <laughs> we did it. It turns, we, it turns yeah. out we did it. Um, Can I ask, was it, because I'm trying to remember the bits and pieces from hearing early on too, was it always going to be animated or was there an idea to do no. something live action? Yeah. So this actually goes back to the mayor of Lockport. <laughs> Doesn't everything. <laughs> so I had never met the mayor of Lockport before the aforementioned uh, event where we all met the mayor of Lockport. But I had communicated with him um, it, back in uh, fe- like late February, early March of 2020, just as Ultraman was announced and I had been building Radiant Black and we decided it was basically that weekend of C2E2 and I was back in Chicago that like, hey, we should launch Radiant Black first, like on the tail of or on the heels of Ultraman um, whenever that ultimately launches. And so then I went back to my hometown in Lockport for like two days. And remember, this is right before the world shut down. And I was just, I was going around and and looking at all the different spots and just thinking about how cool it would be to do something like the Power Rangers Shattered Grid short, but for Radiant Black Mm -hmm. as an announcement piece. And so 
the comic store owner, uh, Joe Gentile, who runs Amazing Fantasy, knows the mayor, and he put me in touch. And so we started talking about like actually shooting something with a real like live action radiant plaque in the streets of Lockport and figuring out how to do this and the city maybe being involved. And then the world shut down and everything changed overnight, including how we were building the book and when it was going to come out. And certainly the idea of trying to do anything in live action became much, much, much more challenging um, during a pandemic. And so I kind of set it aside and but had always intended to come back to this idea of doing something in the main street of Lockport. And so when the concept came up for this short and it was actually it was much further back than six to nine months uh, before. Um, cause I remember when I first kind of had the, the thought, uh, for it, the intention was to do it in live action and we were exploring it. And then, but I, I knew just based on my past experience as a director, like by you, there's a certain date where it's like, hey, this needs to be firing on pretty much all cylinders. Like I need to have a certain amount of momentum on the project by this date or it's just not going to be possible. Mm -hmm. And that date was coming up quickly in uh, very, you know, early on this year. And I was getting ready to go have this very big knee surgery. And I just decided, you know what, let's find a different way to do this. And, um, we're all huge animation nerds. And so the idea of pivoting to an animated format was something that made a lot of sense. And, uh, as it would turn out was something I was then able to maintain while dealing with this, you know, knee surgery and not being able to walk for mm-hmm. 10 weeks. Um, so yes, but the, the the long answer to your question, Ryan, is yes, it was originally supposed to be something else, <laughs> Crazy. live action. Crazy. Um, all right, well, we'll get we can pepper in some more talk about the animated series or the animated series, the animated short, um, as we uh, as we get to it in this because there's definitely a few points in this issue where it I, the connections are amazing, and I want to talk about it more. But um, issue fifteen. Titled Unauthorized, very appropriate mm-hmm. there. Um, you know, you wrote it with Alex Siegel. How did yeah, uh, so, how did that work out? So Alec is um, Alec is one of my best friends um, since high school. Actually, we were also roommates in Los Angeles for like eight years together. And when we were twenty and twenty one years old, we created what became Cowl. Um, but we first created it as a short film. That was my college thesis film. And so when we decided to do this issue, um, I knew I wanted Alec to write the film, the short film with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it then made a lot of sense for us to write the issue together. Mm-hmm. And we haven't written together in a few years. Um, so it was really nice to kind of revisit that as well. And, um, it's kind of, you know, it, yeah, the, it, it we've just, been peppering in cowl references and radiant black mm-hmm. in the issues leading up to this one, um, kind of for that reason of, 
you know, helping to establish some of the references and the, and the concept and the characters yeah. and the iconography, even just on TV screens and stuff like that. So that when it came time to do this, um, it just made sense, you know, there'd be a little bit of familiarity. Yeah, of course. Um, we got Eduardo Fergato doing the, 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 the bulk of the issue with Marcelo mm-hmm. Costa picking up a, a few pages here um, with Igor, uh, Igor Monty doing the uh, colors. Yep. Uh, and of course, Becca Carey coming along for letters. All right. Yeah. I, just to talk about uh, Eduardo for a second. Yes. Like, we, once we decided that we were going to do animation, like, Marcelo had to be heavily involved, right? Not that he wouldn't have been involved in live action, but there's, like, there's, you know, there's uh, keyframes that have to be drawn and... If those are going to be drawn by anyone, they should be drawn by our series artists so the book looks like the comic. And so knowing that Marcelo had suddenly this increased workload mm-hmm. and frankly already like it's tough to draw six issues of comics in six months, Marcelo is working very hard already, it just made a lot of sense to say, well, actually, Eduardo, you've drawn some issues before, like you're part of the family. What if you step in on this one? and let Eduardo worry more, uh, let Marcelo worry more about the film. And then, of course, Eduardo also ended up doing a bunch of stuff for the film, and so maybe we should have actually had a third separate artist draw this (laughs) issue and it would have been easier for everyone, but I think Eduardo and Marcelo both very much wanted to work on it, and so they both got to. That's great. Well, awesome. All right. Kicking off the issue, we're going to finally get to the first few pages here. First scene, we've got uh, Nathan taking the call. You know, last issue, we uh, ended with, uh, you know, Nathan leaving the bar with uh, Marshall. And, you know, after a little bit of a, I I guess I wouldn't call it an awkward moment between them, but there was something unsaid. Um, Nathan takes the call from the robot and says, "Okay, let's talk. Um, and so we start off right off the bat with, I mean, is this that conversation? Is this, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think it's that exact moment. Yeah. Like in my mind, it's, you know, later that night or it's a few nights later, like these connections are, um, you know, the, uh, what is it? Uh, what is it? Our connection is final permanent mm-hmm. for the duration of your life, but they're not always super stable. So, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes a call drops Mm -hmm. is, is how I, I kind of think of it. So, um, I wanted this to be, I wanted this to, to clearly come after the ending of issue 14, um, as a continuation, but also I wanted it to be able to be read completely standalone. And I don't, you know, I don't want to necessarily define how many days passed in between issue 14 and issue 15, for example. Yeah. And to be clear, I do want to specify exactly how many days. And I reckon if I checked my timeline, I could, but I'm not going to right now. I mean, the next page does say a few days later. So there is a yeah. there is a wiggle room there for when this yeah. actually happened. And uh, we do get a some, you know, clarity on why the robot's reaching out. And it's the fact that he doesn't quite really know himself what's going on. He's still connected to Nathan somehow. um, And he's asking Nathan questions like, what what do you want? Like, because like, it's like the robot's experiencing it in the same way Nathan is. Like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I do like that moment. It it gave me uh, Return of the Jedi vibes. Or no, that was... 
uh, uh, Star Wars. Sorry, when uh, when uh, the robots like uh, you know uh, unknown. How are you? You know, um, how's how's oh, it going? The, oh, uh, oh uh, Han at the, Han, the yeah. radio, uh, the relay. Everything's good. Uh, uh, how how are you? How, how are you? Yeah, yeah. It, de- yeah. it definitely feels like that. And Nathan's like, I'm fine. Uh, uh, but yeah, it was interesting, uh, without wanting to spoil anything that's coming up, mm-hmm. like knowing that we're getting into some sort of like unexplored territory with what's going to happen with the radiant being like, actually no one, like everyone should be confused by this up. Like the robot so far has been providing vast amounts of information because the robot knows things our characters don't. It would. It is fun to then be like, a robot doesn't have answers for you here. Like, the robot's not going to solve this problem. The robot is more confused than you, actually. Mm-hmm. Which is, is kind of scary when you consider how powerful these things are. I do that. I do like that idea, though. You know, you've got this thing that is always there to answer those questions, and now what do you do? What do our characters do when that thing that has those answers doesn't? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's exciting. Um, we get Nathan and Marshall um, uh, talking in the re- at the real world about uh, the fan film that's being made. Marshall has a little bit of a I don't know some animosity towards this you know this film <laughs> using he throws using a, his he likeness throws a little shade. Yeah, yeah. Um, and with them walking around the set, and I really liked seeing. I mean, did uh, did you give Eduardo any special direction on? how the set should look, like the, the props they're carrying, how much of that is Eduardo kind of playing around versus what you were asking for? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Um, we did actually uh, reach out to our other old roommate, Michael, who's my cinematographer, and we sourced him in because it was quicker than, you know, he's on set every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't shoot all that often anymore. But um, I wanted to make sure on our cover, like some of our cranes were accurate and uh, some of our our gear. And so Eduardo did a bunch of research. He gets really into that side of it, of the research as well. And then Michael, uh, Michael proofed some stuff for us. But like, yeah, like Alec and I wanted, we thought it'd be funny for a radiant black helmet and like a blaze gauntlet just to be like walking by, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like how surreal it is, you know, in some ways, it's meta it, writing the meta-ness of this moment is obviously very meta <laughs> in and of itself. Um, but for me, like the party that we were talking about in the real Lockport in Embers was kind of the epitome of that, mm-hmm. where it's like you're in an environment tied to something you created, but also it has diff- hold it has totally different context for you. Like the Nathan and Marshall dynamic, that's one of my favorite things about this scene. Like their relationship in this moment is like a little weird, but the surroundings around them are like, are mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Like how amazing is that? If you could just like step back, set your egos aside and step back for a second and recognize like how crazy is that? Like someone's making a movie out of you and what like, and you're radiant black and it's with your your favorite stuff from when you guys were kids, like that's incredible, but they're also human and this kind of awkwardness and maybe slight insecurity 
that each has um, now that the dynamic with the radiant power seems to be slightly different. Mm -hmm. um, that to me is like kind of the heart of this series. Yeah. And then we've got Doppler. Now, at what point do you decide? Because leading up to this, we've actually got a few of this rogues gallery, you know, laid out just about all of them at this point. How do you how do you decide it's going to be Doppler? And why is it her in this moment that is doing this? Well, it was a it was for a few reasons. One, um, I love this character. Um, I had a plan and, and some thoughts for what her dynamic with Marshall was going to be over the next few issues, which we'll get into next month or and maybe not next month, but in our coverage of issue 16 coming up. Um, but there's also, again, like there was a, a fun opportunity for to bring Alec in on this one. And Doppler is actually a character that originated in Cowell. Mm -hmm. um, so we have not we haven't said or or not we haven't we haven't said if there's a connection between this Doppler and the 1960s Cowell Doppler. I, I can tell you there's not not between them as like, you know, as people like mm -hmm. why the mantle is this way is like, you know, a story for another time. They're not related. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. But we thought, you know, I thought it would be fun. It's like, oh, well, Doppler should be a part of this one. Um, especially considering where we want to take her in 16 and, um, in 17. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I think that's, I think that's actually, I think that's all of it. Yeah. Which is something, I mean, it's an obvious connection that I honestly didn't even make. I was like, oh yeah, Doppler, one of the, one of the, you know, our villains in this story and, or, you know, not necessarily villain, but you know, and it's like, oh duh, it's because it's, you know, Cowell, Doppler, that makes sense. Um, she gets into a confrontation out front um, and, uh, you know, Marshall suits up after arguing with one of the, the who ends up being one of the writers, which is a great uh, moment there between yelling at each other um, over, you know, what a superhero is. And it seems like those conversations that you would have at the bar with your friend about, you know, any superhero movie coming out or anything like that or casting or comparing superheroes across uh, um, uh, across ages or whatnot. Um, and then it's just, uh, uh, the bowling alley scene in which, uh, Doppler has a little bit of a, uh, a moment with Marshall and kind of makes him, you know, not lash out a bit, but, you know, face something, maybe, maybe say something that he, uh, wasn't really thinking he was going to talk about. Yeah. We wanted to, to... We wanted to use Doppler and the stuff that we said that Marshall said to her at the end of issue 11. And we wanted to kind of bring that back in a way that was probably a little unexpected for Marshall, but also could be used to perhaps make Marshall uh, take a closer look at like, hey, what all are you doing with these powers? Um, and, and what is it exactly that you stand for, if anything, like mm -hmm. it's one thing to, um, it's, it's, it's easy to be reactive. Um, is there, is there, is there more to you though? Um, and then doing YouTube videos and, you know, Doppler thinks he's associated with this particular YouTube mm -hmm. film video as well. 
Um, well, because lately all but, he's doing is the commercials that's leading up to this is, is mm-hmm. it, it seems very on brand for him, pun intended, that, you know, this is kind of something he would be doing. Well, and that's why when we go back after the scene, we then go to the film set where we actually show a uh, basically a, a shot recreation, a behind the scenes mm-hmm. uh, version of a shot that's in the, the animated film. Uh, in panel one there as radiant the real radiant black floats down interrupting the fake radiant black on wires with the fake blaze uh who is actually the real actor who played blaze um (laughs) in the movies in the mid-2000s who is actually the actor who played blaze in our short film in 2007 reginald james i think my nose just started bleeding and so um (laughs) As the real Radiant Black floats down and chastises the director, uh, you know, and what makes you think you know which way to point a lens? Um, That scene is so, I almost feel like it's too far what he's saying to him but it 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 bounces back so well that it's worth it like he he lays into him so hard that you feel bad for this guy well and so a lot of this is is him complaining like that's all you think i am just like you know a killer a sick costume with killer one-liners like no i'm more than that and i'm i'm saving all of the world he's taking out all of his frustrations from how doppler laid into him yes in this very public manner on this film set and then immediately changes his tune when he realized they've gotten uh boy meets world and batman beyond's will friedel to play him um but the point of even walking through all this is because nathan uh, as it turns out helps rewrite the script mm-hmm. And so for me, the idea of Nathan providing that, uh, particularly the final speech of what's in the short film, where it really is kind of like, you know, it's it's radiant black with with some heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the idea that that actually in universe comes from Nathan. And, and that, and also the fact that the animated short is was for a lot of people their introduction to Radiant Black. I like that behind the scenes of that awesome animated short with all that heart, Nathan and Marshall are kind of breaking up a little bit mm-hmm. um, by the end of this issue as well. So again, playing with the medium and the format and using Doppler, uh, kind of calling Marshall out as a way to get into this stuff, which ultimately plays off of making the short film better, which. Yeah, then you see and is is out there for the world to see now. And you bring up, you know, Nathan and Marshall kind of breaking up or so towards the end of this issue. And the last scene we see is Nathan, you know, saying, you know, hey, yeah, we can ask the robot about this thing, you know, because I'm talking to him again. You know, earlier he mentioned that to him and Marshall's like, yeah, it's no it's no big deal. You guys knock yourself out. Um, but Nathan brings it up again at the end. And now this time Marshall's like after hearing this great speech that Nathan wrote is this is this Marshall kind of I don't know maybe seeing that Nathan might have a a little bit of a better understanding of what it is to be a hero and after Doppler kind of called him out on it he's like well maybe maybe I need to take this take maybe this needs to be my thing and kind of pushes back yeah I mean I think I think the thing is like we're going to get into some stuff with Nathan and Marshall's childhood at, at a certain point here, but that dynamic and who was the one 
that often came through, um, you know, it, it, it's, it tended to be Nathan. Nathan had the follow through. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're Marshall and you have all these powers now and you're flailing a little bit um, and then Nathan comes back and he seems to have a better handle on kind of the larger um, kind of uh, matters surrounding the said identity of, of radiant black and, and the powers and what it could all mean and what it could stand for and, and things like that, as well as still having a connection to the powers um, that is where a lot of this insecurity is coming mm-hmm. from for Marshall. And the irony is that remember Nathan, because of where he was at in his life as well, when he got the powers originally, you know, Nathan went for several weeks without really doing much with them. And Marshall yeah. was calling him out about that. Yeah. And now Marshall's kind of flying around doing YouTube ads and all sorts of stuff and beating, you know, Excel down within an inch of his life. And mm-hmm. so I think, though, for Marshall, like being able to say to Nathan in this final walk um, after they've left the film set that like, hey, I need this to be my thing, even if your take on what it should be is right. Uh, like, and that speech you wrote was awesome. I need this to be me. Mm-hmm. Like, I need I need to do it kind of for myself. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a really hard thing for someone like Marshall to say here. Mm-hmm. That's great. Uh, hard left here. Michael, did you watch Boy Meets World? Yep. No, I, I. Are you familiar with Wolf Dell? When did Boy Meets World air, Kyle? Do you know? Around the same time as Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Yeah, see, I was a little young for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. My Power Rangers is a couple of years later. So I, like, I don't know if it aired on Australian television. Yeah. I don't know if it aired when I was the right age to be watching it. Mm-hmm. So I have. I am sort of vaguely aware of the show. I think I've seen one episode of Girl Meets World when I was like babysitting a cousin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my knowledge of Will Friedle is 100% him voice acting and playing Dungeons and Dragons on the internet. Oh, really? Yep. I've never seen him act in something That's in real life. That's not where I thought you were going to go when you said voice acting. I thought you were going Batman Beyond. So you, you, yeah, yeah, that and some of his other work, like Kim Possible in particular, yeah. is like. He's real good, is the thing. Mm-hmm. He's good at his job, that guy. Yeah, he is. And he looks good on a comic page, too. He, really he also does. looks good as a pull quote on the cover of a collected edition of a comic. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I imagine he also looks good in real life. He does. He is a very handsome uh, fellow, uh, but I would never say that to him. I wouldn't give him the satisfaction <laughs> of hearing me utter those words. Can you? Can you- we, have a, we have a running feud uh, when we do a lot of conventions together. Well, not together because I don't want to be actually associated with them and seen within the same space. Uh, but we we're on the same airplanes at times, and one of us sits towards um, well, you know, the front of the plane, um, and I do not. So <laughs> there's a, a little bit of a um, uh, you know a little little bit of a rivalry uh, about front of the plane behavior, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, 
you know, you know, it's not front of the plate in behavior coming to my booth and, and uh, telling everyone that you just wanted to make sure they all knew that that I was a massive, massive loser and that that he, Will Friedle, was there specifically to tell everyone that Kyle Higgins is a massive, massive loser and to please let him know that um, because in case I didn't uh, that I'm a massive, massive loser. No, so that is not things like that behavior. That is not front of plane behavior. That is. Wow. wow. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I texted him. You know, <laughs> I was like, that's like business class at best. That was such a fun rollout though. So between the, uh, the ads from that. Yeah. I guess to, we can talk about that yeah, now. I can't really we? said anything about that. So doing the, uh, yeah, so Kyle, you and I have never really spoken about this because I just get, I just get messages from you that things are happening and like there's no point asking questions. You've known Will for a long time because I assume because you wrote Batman Beyond the comic, right? Yeah, I I met Will through Gary Mariano, uh, who's a publicist. When I was writing, I was just starting on Batman Beyond 2.0. Um, and then, yeah, we've, we've known each other for God. So that's probably what, seven, eight years now, something like that. Sure. And so you just like, you just like text him and say, Hey, <laughs> will you be the voice of Ray? <laughs> I sent some smoke signals first just to, you know, make sure he was, uh, around. No. Um, yeah, kinda more or less like we've, we've wanted to do something together for a long time. Um, and this one was crazy enough. Uh, I, I was telling him about it and showing him stuff like really early on. And um, I was I was pitching him like like you sh if we did it in live action, I was even pitching him like voicing Radiant Black in in the, the live action version. Um, but uh, when when this got more real, um, he and I, uh, he and I got lunch and I actually explained to him <laughs> what this actually was, like the whole of it and how it worked and like the meta-ness and the QR code and everything. So he loved it. Um, and then, yeah, we just, uh, we, we wrote a script for it and, um, we actually did it over zoom. Um, so I've, I voice directed it and, uh, Reginald James who played blaze, he dialed in as well. And then Will was at his place and I was at my place and Reginald was at his and um, and I just I directed the session and then I did one more uh, one more session with Will for like some pickup lines um, like pretty I think there was like one line and some efforts just to, just yeah. to clarify Kyle you mean like uh, little bits that you didn't get before not radiant black flirting right. No, I have some of those too, for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I, I like a little a line. Uh, you know what it was? It was the line. Um, oh, not too terrible. Um, when right before he transforms, because that was a line that got added at the board stage, um, and so we needed to record it. You know later, um, and. Yeah, it. So uh, where, where, he, he knocked it out of the park. Were the ads from thirteen? Oh yeah, and we recorded the, all those the in that scene. Of that yeah. was that also? Yeah, I was gonna say that's also the recording of the short. Yeah, the same session. We yeah. we we knocked the ads out for. So for those that don't know, we uh, the the Radiant Black Social uh, team of Marshall and Circle Guy News uh, put out some um, ad reads 
to showcase Marshall's ad read skills. Um, and if you then happen to pick up issue 13, uh, and they, sorry, these ad reads were put out on Twitter through the Radiant Black Twitter account. And then um, they were in the lead up to issue 13. And if you happen to read issue 13, you would actually see the Radiant Black performing these ad reads um, in the book. Um, but the voice on the ad reads was not one that we um, ever uh, revealed or confirmed. Um, but uh, it was, in fact, our um, Eric Matthews, Eric mm -hmm. Matthews with superpowers, uh, Mr. Wilfredell yeah. himself. So it starts out as these random audio clips where Radiant Black is selling manscaping razors to yep. then mm -hmm. yep. to then that was honestly that was mostly just so I could hear Will <laughs> say uh, tame your mane. Yes. To then seeing that that actually appeared in issue 13 because that was before it to then yep. finding out issue 15 has an appearance with him and yep. his name in the issue to then find out that he is actually the voice in this animated short that was just released after this issue when you get to the back of it and now his uh -huh. name's on the cover of volume three trade paperback yep you got it that's, that's great, all of man. it that's great and i still haven't met him <laughs> yeah yeah i know uh oh will yeah yeah no we're uh we're about doing some weird stuff that's, that's great. uh that's what it comes down to i just want to lay that all out there that needs to be appreciated that that long play that's amazing well we should also mention too uh on on the topic of the short film a couple people so ramon well, and for anyone who doesn't know and, and just listened to all of this and <laughs> didn't read the issue or read the issue and didn't scan the QR code, um, you should always scan the QR code. And when you scan the QR code, it goes to a five and a half minute fully animated short film that we made with Tiger Animation uh, out of South Korea. And um, Phil Crane, who is an animation producer, he produced the short uh, with me. Uh, Ramon Palermo, a good friend of mine, did all of the backgrounds on the short. Um, Marcelo and Eduardo, as Michael said before, did all the key art. Um, Eduardo did some of the storyboarding as well. Um, and then Marcelo actually did all the finishes on the existence scene, um, which Alec Siegel, who is the editor on this as well, is writing the issue and the short film with me. Um, Alec ran post on this and he actually animated the existence sequence himself. Um, and then we had Igor Monti doing some additional color work. Um, like I said, Alec was the editor, uh, Matt Taylor, our sound supervisor. And there was a, um, a sound effects editor on it. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, but um, finally kind of uh, last but not least is my dear friend, Christopher Carter, uh, Mr. Emmy-winning uh, Emmy uh, composer of Batman Beyond and so many Warners and DC animated uh, properties over the years. Young Justice, he started on Superman the Animated Series and Justice League and Justice League Unlimited along with uh, Shirley, uh, uh, well, it was all under uh, Shirley Walker. Uh, he came up, but with uh, Lolita Ritmanis and Michael McCustin, or McCustin, who those three work together a lot to this day. Um, so Chris joined us and scored this versus short with a host of theme, original themes, mm -hmm. um, tons of different style and some, some just, I just, I love it. I just could not be, uh, more happy with, with the needle we were able to thread. Yeah. 
And I mean, this last this last page of the issue with uh, Shift and Doppler, she's watching a scene from this. Yeah, which means yeah, which means this short had to have been at least done practically a few weeks before the issue came out. And a minute ago, you just said that you guys recorded the audio right for issue thirteen. So you guys, you you essentially made this whole thing in under two months, right? Um, so no, it was end of February mm-hmm. from script to being in stores. We wrote the script end of February. Um, and then it was in stores June 15th. Okay. Okay. I'm thinking and the, the, the drawing, so the like animation. three, three and a half months basically. Okay. Yeah, but you're you're right because we we sh- so the the thing is that the film was not done when we shipped the issue to Image. Right. Uh, what we did that was we, all the art was done, and so we pulled a frame from That's it. Right. But there was still like scoring and editing and mm-hmm. compositing going on. Uh, so yeah, the the artwork was done five weeks before the issue came out, and so we were able to grab that frame and drop it in. Yeah, I guess I guess we can talk about that. Like, if you really want to look behind the curtain on that one, we sent the book to the printer with a QR code that wasn't pointed. I mean, it was pointed at a URL, but it, there was nothing at yeah, the it URL wasn't live. Um, because we knew we needed the time to finish the short. Yeah, um, and we were Alec and I were finishing it down to um the day before uh the book hit stores it was incredible i just remember a couple of days before the book being out getting the the the, the final one it's like I, yeah i think it's done i think it's finally done and it's just amazing it was just <laughs> well we've you know we, it's it's funny because alec and i have worked together for so long for so many years we have such a shorthand such a history mm-hmm. and it's like we both knew on this one it's like it's gonna come down to the wire just by the nature of what we were trying to accomplish in a very, very, very short amount of time. I mean, five and a half minutes, that's a, t- that's a long short, but we got it as tight as we could mm-hmm. while still being a full story and having some kind of showcase moments. Um, but then it meant really taxing ourselves to pull all of us to pull it off. So you know, we were doing stuff with like film grain, uh, in the grade, like the day before, but there's like no panic whatsoever because you trust your collaborators. And when you've gone through stuff like this a hundred times before with them, like Mm -hmm. we finished so many short films and all sorts of other post-production things and even books like, you know, we, we did, we ran Cowell before we knew him, before we'd ever met a Michael Basudel, yeah. uh, Cowell and Hadrian's wall and, and other series like that. And so, um, it was, it was weirdly, um, I don't know. It was just kind of like, uh, it, it was weirdly cathartic. It was like mm-hmm. a weird return home. <laughs> awesome. Well, if anybody wanted to know more, I mean, you, you've got the issue in your hands. Hopefully, there you guys did a great write up in the back um, uh, on you know behind the scenes stuff, showing character art and some um, some of the backgrounds and everything like that, and some more information. So check that out, and you know, be sure to watch the short a dozen times. Um, but that does it for issue fifteen. Uh, next up, we've got somewhat of a two parter with six, with sixteen and seventeen that I'm excited to jump back into with. Uh, 
uh, epic front epic front fighting back and so we'll get into that next time uh other than that is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up with issue 15 hmm no 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 i I don't think so no i'm it's funny because we're very we are very proud of this one very pleased with it we are ahead of the um happy we were able to pull it off and um it was it was as it was as ambitious of an undertaking as hopefully um it it seems Uh, i think (laughs) because it was certainly it was it was certainly something but um we're you know well, the, the reception was great, and it was amazing that, that, that weekend and that week of it coming out, seeing everybody's reaction to this thing. Uh, and it was unlike anything I've ever seen in comics before. That was pretty cool. Well, thank you guys for chatting with me today, and um, I think that does it for us. Everyone, thank you all for listening. Stay radiant. See you later. <laughs>